Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal and Maudsley Hospitals in South London. Joining me today is Stephen Elsom. He is Director for the Centre for Psychiatric Nursing at the University of Melbourne in Australia. And he and some co-authors have produced a fascinating paper in the October issue of the British Journal of Psychiatry entitled Interventions for Reducing the Use of Seclusion in Psychiatric Facilities. Um, Stephen, to start off with, it seems as though this paper was produced, uh, according to your introduction, in response to another paper which seemed to come down very negatively uh, in its view of seclusion. So what was your motivation in writing this paper? Well, the background to the paper was essentially that um, interest in reduction of seclusion has become a, a hot topic both in Australia and internationally from our point of view, um, with some programs being introduced to attempt to reduce the use of seclusion. And essentially, I mean, our view as a, a group of staff working at the Centre for Psychiatric Nursing is that um, seclusion is an intervention that has very little therapeutic value according to the you know, the best research evidence that we have. And we also have evidence that it traumatises patients, that it's something that staff don't like doing. So we thought as a, a starting point for any sort of program that looked at reducing seclusion, we'd better have a look at what had already been done. So essentially that was the motivation for, for having a look at the literature. The paper that you referred to specifically was a, a Cochrane systematic review of non-pharmacological measures but excluding seclusion and restraint for containment of um, violence and well, particularly for containment within psychiatric facilities. Um, so it looked at things other than seclusion and restraint, so behavioural interventions, for example, those sorts of things that um, people have tried to use as alternatives to increasing pharmacological restraints or chemical restraints, as we sometimes refer to them. And essentially because of the, the nature of systematic reviews that exclude everything other than randomised controlled trials, the reviewers found nothing. There's, there's no evidence at all for any sort of interventions um, other than seclusion and restraint for containment in psychiatric facilities. And we argued that that's sort of, um, even though that's, that's useful to know, and I guess it does suggest that we need further research, by using the sort of the very narrow criteria that a, that a systematic review necessarily entails, um, we miss out on looking at some good research that has shown consistently reductions in the use of seclusion and restraint. So that was where we we started casting our net essentially. When you refer to seclusion, as you do uh, frequently, obviously in this paper, what are you referring to pragmatically? Essentially, when we talk about seclusion, we mean solitary confinement in lay terms. So we're talking about the practice of putting a, a patient, against their will in most cases, into a, a single room that's locked from the outside, so they have no way of leaving the room. So it's essentially, they've been confined in a single room. And typically, the, our psychiatric facilities have seclusion suites, as we call them, which are um, essentially rooms with observation windows that are locked from the outside, typically the size of a small office, um, not, the, not the sort of padded cell of popular fiction, but um, rooms that are designed to be um, containment facilities. And in our um, current legislation, well, certainly in Australia, but um, as far as we can tell through most Western countries anyway, there are fairly serious restrictions on the use of seclusion. It is the obviously the most restrictive thing we can be doing with our patients in an acute psychiatric facility, so um, it tends to be 
that legislation requires it only to be used as a, um, a last resort when other forms of containment have failed. Why do patients get put in seclusion? Well, typically the reasons are that um, the patient is presenting an imminent threat to either other patients or staff or to themselves, or there's a risk that they'll, um, they'll abscond, for example, thereby presenting a once again, a threat to them, their own safety or the safety of members of the public or other patients. So those are the sorts of situations that would generally um, restrict the use of seclusion for. When there's no other reasonable way of um, containing a patient's uncontrolled, disturbed behaviour that is likely to put them and other people at risk of... There seems from your paper, one gets a sense, that there's a move away in general from the use of seclusion. There's a kind of increasing disapproval of it. What's that based on? What's the idea behind um, the notion that that seclusion is intrinsically a bad thing? I think you're quite right. There is um, a general tendency towards moving away from seclusion and regarding it as a bad thing. Um, I think the reasons behind that are fairly complex, but generally it's a recognition that um, patients do have rights to the best sort of treatment available and that um, seclusion doesn't have a whole lot of evidence supporting it as a a therapeutic intervention. It's something that clearly, um, essentially, we're taking away someone's right to freedom, so we're violating their human rights in an even more extreme way than what we are when we're taking them off the street and taking them into acute psychiatric facility against their will anyway. I guess we could also put it down to um, increasing awareness of consumer perspective in the work that we do. The growing voice of the consumer movement is letting us know that some of the things that we do are not on, and that's always a good thing that we that the sort of um, the work that we do is challenged. So, yeah, there are possibly other things, but I think um, generally, you know, we're getting more and more figures to tell us that it's unsafe in Australia. Particularly, it's one of the national health safety priorities is to reduce the use of seclusion. So it's um, just one of those things that's grown in momentum over the years. We also are seeing some um, increasing evidence from overseas, some from the UK and also some from the US, Pennsylvania in particular, where they've um, reported on very successful um, programs to reduce the use of seclusion and restraint over a longer period of time. That being said, it's possible to mount an argument, though, isn't it, that seclusion has uh, many psychological principles going for it. Um, If if a patient is violent or dangerous to others, you're protecting other people by removing that patient from the opportunity to harm others. Also, you're you're taking away excessive stimulation from other people. Maybe the patient might be irritable and easily provoked uh, by others. And also, you're producing a consequence that they may want to avoid. And uh, in seeking to avoid that consequence, that might help produce better behaviour. Seclusion is just a more severe form, some people would argue, than the common behavioural technique that parents use all the time, which is naughty step or naughty corner. Um, So there's a lot to be said for it, though, isn't there? Psychologically? Possibly? Look, I think all those sort of arguments sound logical, but we're we're not dealing with a naughty child. We're dealing with someone who has a, a severe mental illness in most cases, who's not in control of their behaviour. They're not making their choices about being violent. Typically they're frightened, they're often drug affected and if we look at the sorts of things that contribute to violent behaviour in psychiatric facilities it often is severe mental illness in combination with alcohol, substance abuse disorders, that sort of comorbidity picture is um, very prominent and the idea that taking these people when they're in that very um, typically highly anxious state and the process of getting them into the seclusion room, which typically involves 
several members of staff restraining the person and dragging them into the room against their will, often with um, forced medication at the same time, is traumatising to the patient and to other people involved in the whole episode. I mean, it's not a matter of the, the person being told, you know, you're a naughty boy, go to your room um, and come out when you're feeling that you're able to control your behaviour. We're not talking about that sort of thing. Um, it's, we, we can't take that sort of approach with um, the sort of people we're dealing with if that approach was a possibility it would almost be impossible by definition because it wouldn't be a last resort if we were able to have that sort of reasoning process so that that sort of logic of the, the psychological intervention doesn't work from that behavioral point of view in terms of low stimulus environments certainly um, some people do respond to a, a lower stimulus environment but we don't need to put them through that sort of trauma of um, physical restraint by a group of staff and then dragging them into the seclusion room, medicating them against their will, all the trauma that that caused. We don't need to do that sort of thing to create a low stimulus environment. We can use other techniques, our, um, our interpersonal skills, de-escalation techniques, negotiation, negotiation skills, distraction, all those sorts of things that can create a calmer environment without going through all the trauma. Let's talk now about the paper itself and could you just run over some of the different areas that you looked at and perhaps focus on what you found in your review were, were the most effective approaches to reducing the use of seclusion? I think it's important to note that um, we didn't look at particular interventions in terms of how they stacked up against other interventions in their effectiveness in reducing seclusion. Um, we looked at... Um, papers where there was some sort of, I'm, I'm talking about a literature review, so I should have stated that from the outset. We, we looked at um, papers where there was some sort of intervention um, that wasn't based solely on changes to medication, but some sort of intervention study where there were measures at least before and after of seclusion rates. And in most cases, it wasn't a single intervention that we were looking at. So it was the sorts of interventions that have been reported were, in, in most cases, multiple interventions by a group of staff or a unit or a service in their attempts to reduce seclusion and create a better therapeutic environment. So that, from the outset, is what we're looking at. It has to be said that there's not a lot of papers that fit that um, criteria. We eventually um, came down to about 16 that actually were reasonable sort of level of quality of research. And the sorts of interventions that have been used are, um, well, that have been reported at least, are state-level support um, and policy changes, regulation changes. Leadership is a big factor that emerges, and typically that's um, leadership within the service or within the unit. Often the one of the interventions would be monitoring of rates of seclusion. You would think that that would be a fairly standard practice, but simply introducing a monitoring system where none had previously existed in some cases results in that uh, reduction in the, the rates of seclusion. Um, staff education was a very common intervention, but in most cases, as I say, there are more than one intervention at it being introduced at the same time, so it's hard to say how much of the, the change is attributable to one particular intervention, for example, education. And often the general aim of um, some of these projects was changing the therapeutic environment. And that was done through a range of measures, including involving consumers and carers in planning for how they might deal with um, episodes of violence, what sort of alternatives might be available to use of seclusion and restraint, um, what sort of educational measures were needed to bring the staff up to speed. In some cases there were um, 
more staff actually employed, so increasing the staff to patient ratio, all these sorts of things in combination have been found to be effective. We didn't look at the size, I mean the research that's out there isn't um, sufficient that you're able to make comparisons between um, effect sizes, if you like, of the different sorts of interventions. And it's, again, by its very nature, it's not the sort of research that you can actually attribute cause to any one of these interventions. But overall, there's a consistent body of literature that is showing that rates of seclusion can be reduced by introducing all these range of measures. So um, essentially what we're arguing is it's no good saying that we can't reduce it. It's fairly clear from the literature that we can. Um, what we'd also like to see, and it's one of the things that we've said at the end of the paper, is we'd also like to hear from researchers who have attempted to reduce seclusion and failed, because that would be an important part of our, our understanding of this area of research and the whole vexed issue of can we actually reduce or even eliminate seclusion, because that clearly is uh, the goal that we'd eventually like to achieve. What's the next step um, following the publication of this paper? Uh, is there further research in the pipeline from your group? Um, uh, is there something else that the, the research that you've now conducted in terms of this review has led you on in terms of your uh, next step in, in this area? Well, actually, no, Raj. We're not, um, we're not following through on the article at all at the moment. Um, there are a number of seclusion reduction initiatives going on in Australia at the moment. As I mentioned earlier, it's a national um, safety priority to reduce seclusion. And so there are there are several Commonwealth-funded projects that are going on at the moment, and they're also in the state of Victoria, where I'm located in Melbourne. There's a, a Creating Safety program, it's called, which again is providing funding for a, some of our services to um, introduce a range of measures designed to reduce seclusion. So um, while that project's going on, we're sort of keeping a watching brief, but not um, introducing any new complications because we want to see how that um, how that program emerges and actually our own program of research is taking us off in some different directions. We're looking more at um, medication safety and the physical health of um, people with mental illness so we've sort of had to focus our research program a little bit so we're not actually following through on the seclusion one at all. Stephen Elson, thank you very much indeed. Thank you Raj, my pleasure.